the heart of America sits one of the wildest museums in the world. In fact, I'm not even sure museum is the proper term for it. Housed in a 10-story former shoe factory, this sprawling 600,000 square foot urban playground stirs the imaginations of children and adults alike. I'm Jason Epperson, and this is the See America podcast. From coast to coast, we see America one mile at a time, discovering stops along the way that are eclectic, historic, ridiculous, breathtaking, inspiring, and humbling. This week, the heart of America's entertainingly unique city museum. This great destination is brought to you by Road Trippers, America's number one road trip planning app. Road Trippers helps people discover the world around them in an entirely new way by streamlining discovery, planning, booking, and navigation. Plan your unique journey at roadtrippers.com, then use the app as your ultimate travel guide and navigator. Adventure doesn't come from the fastest route. Start exploring at roadtrippers.com. St. Louis, Missouri, gateway to the West, home of the 1904 World's Fair, the first American city to host the Olympics, home to the first kindergarten, the first interstate highway, the largest beer producing plant in the nation, let's not call it a brewery, the tallest human built monument in the country. It's the home of weird food traditions like toasted ravioli, gooey butter cake, and Provel cheese pizza, which is probably the only pizza I've ever tried that I didn't like. 7-Up was invented here, and the ice cream cone. But among all those first, St. Louis used to hold one title, long before nearly the entire clothing industry left America's borders. Shoe manufacturer to the world. 48 million pairs of shoes were shipped out of St. Louis in 1905. Back in the 1820s, a dozen or so cordwainers, artisans who crafted boots and shoes by hand at their shops, peppered Main Street. As the city grew to become a major shipping hub along the Mississippi, more shoemakers and cobblers opened up, and by 1860, a shoe factory employing 300 people opened on the corner of Main and Vine. With the railroads came cheap immigrant and child labor and a heck of a lot more shoe manufacturers. Some were homegrown, while others moved operations from places like Memphis and Boston. By 1905, St. Louis was producing one-sixth of all the shoes made in the United States at more than 20 different companies, located mostly within the Washington Avenue Garment District. The weaker companies began to be bought out or merged, and one such conglomerate was 1911's International Shoe Company which by the time it bought out enough of its competitors, became the largest shoe manufacturer in the world. The growth of the St. Louis shoe industry was aided by World Wars I and II, when companies received contracts to make boots and shoes for the Army and Navy. But in the 60s and 70s, production decreased and factories closed as Americans began to buy cheaper shoes made overseas. The International Shoe Company began to diversify, buying out retailers and manufacturers of other kinds of goods, primarily furniture. It changed its name to Interco and then Furniture Brands International, owning brands like Broyhill and Thomasville. In 2013, Furniture Brands filed for bankruptcy and announced plans to sell most of its divisions. 
St. Louis is one of my favorite cities. With its host of family-friendly activities, it's been a quick getaway destination for my family since I was a kid. It was also one of the first places I took my own family on vacation, lighting the road trip spark that still continues today. In my Chicago theater producer days, I even took a touring production of a holiday show to St. Louis. I enjoy this city so much. And it was actually during that visit that I happened upon one of the wildest attractions in America, which resides in the 10-story former home of the International Shoe Company, right downtown in what's now called the Washington Avenue Loft District. It's called the City Museum, and it's full of wild and fancy exhibits, play structures, and curiosities, mostly made from reclaimed architecture and industrial materials. It's a maze of miles of tunnels and slides and rebar towers that lead to exhibits like a life-size bowhead whale, a giant slinky, which is actually an old refrigerating coil donated by Anheuser-Busch, the largest continuous mosaic in the U.S. There's a 1924 Wurlitzer pipe organ, an indoor skate park, an indoor circus, a collection of vintage video and pinball games. There's the world's largest pencil at more than 76 feet in length and 21,500 pounds. It's the equivalent of 1.9 million regular number two pencils. It includes 4,000 pounds of graphite and a 250 pound rubber eraser. Most of the indoor museum resides on the first through third floors, but there's a 10 story slide that utilizes the whole building and a heck of a lot to do outdoors. Up on the roof is a small old-fashioned Ferris wheel, a pond, and a school bus that extends beyond the edge of the building. Nearer to the ground level, but not too near it, two aircraft fuselages are suspended high in the air for the daring to climb up into. There's a fire engine, a castle turret, and two ball pits filled with large rubber dodgeballs. With the history of the city museum and its creator, Here's Abigail Trebu. Artist Bob Cassily was born in Webster Groves, Missouri to a homemaker and a building contractor. He began skipping school at age 14 to work as an apprentice for a local sculptor. He earned a bachelor's degree in art from Fontbonne University in St. Louis, where he met and married his first wife, Cecilia Davidson. In May 1972, the couple honeymooned in Rome and were visiting St. Peter's Basilica in Vatican City, when one of the biggest destructive actions towards a famous piece of art was, by chance, taking place. Laszlo Toth wielding a geologist's hammer and shouting, I am Jesus Christ risen from the dead, struck Michelangelo's Pieta statue 15 times, removing Mary's arm at the elbow, knocking off a chunk of her nose and chipping one of her eyelids. Bob Cassily was the first to act. He struck Toth several times before pulling him away from the Pieta. Cassily and Davidson returned to St. Louis where they restored over 36 dilapidated Victorian buildings and built six new townhouses for which Cassily designed the architectural embellishments. 
he began to make sculptures professionally, becoming known for his public pieces that depict animals such as turtles and hippos. Eventually, the couple moved to Hawaii, where Cassily carved wooden figures until he grew tired of the island life and returned to his native St. Louis to earn a master's degree in art at his alma mater. There, he met sculptor Gail Saliwata, whom he married after divorcing Davidson. In 1993, Bob and Gail Castley purchased the mostly vacant International Shoe Factory building at 69 cents a square foot. It would be transformed into what the Castleys called a city within a city. Working with a team of sculptors, welders, and painters dubbed the Castley crew, work began immediately. But exactly what was being built was a secret. Only a 500-foot concrete and wrought iron serpent fence constructed around the warehouse's parking lot gave the world any indication of what was to come. Inside, the Castley crew's work would stay hidden for almost two years. It wasn't until New Year's Eve 1996 that a group of visitors were allowed into the museum to see the work in progress. From there, construction continued and City Museum officially opened to the public on October 25, 1997, with Bob and Gail's children welcoming several thousand very curious visitors. Inside the museum, they were greeted with two floors of exhibits, including the iconic giant whale sculpture that swallows an accessibility ramp between the lobby and first floor, the Circus Harmony, an internationally celebrated social circus featuring acrobats, jugglers, clowns, and magicians that delight visitors with regular performances. And one of the most popular attractions at City Museum, the world's largest underwear, located under a glowing sign that reads Simper Ubi Sub Ubi, artist Bill Christman hung a giant pair of men's briefs a decision he has never revealed the motive behind. The display has attracted visitors from around the world, has a Canadian fan club, and is the fourth most photographed installation at City Museum. As the museum's popularity grew, so did the exhibits. Always intended to have deep urban roots, Cassily and his loyal crew of artisans continued to construct the museum from the very stuff that makes a city. Concrete, iron, limestone, bricks, rebar, tiles, stone, gears, beams, wheels, belts, valves, tanks, bridges, buses, planes, facades, cranes, doors, fire trucks, walls, and locomotives. City Museum is filled with remnants of houses, churches, schools, storefronts, and factories, reclaimed from St. Louis and given new life. Cassily, who died in 2011, envisioned City Museum as a place to collect the artistic creations of his imagination. Creations that were often labeled childlike, as a nonprofit, the museum struggled for years before Cassily managed to turn it into a thriving for-profit institution. At his memorial, Mayor Francis Sly said, 
City Museum could easily have failed a thousand times in less creative and timider hands. But under Bob's quirky leadership and with his refusal to give up, many dedicated artists came together to create something that worked in a wonderful and inimitable way. The City Museum has been credited for revitalizing a once desolate area of St. Louis. And today, nearly a million people come to climb on and play in the various exhibits in the museum each year. City Museum is not finished and never will be. They're always building and none of the construction is ever behind closed doors. You can see the work and installation in progress. You'll find something different every time you go. Dress for an active day. Most visitors stay about three hours, but many stay all day. Some areas are seasonal or weather dependent. There are no maps of City Museum. It's one big exploration, and it's open at least five days a week, often closed on Mondays, Tuesdays, and Wednesdays in the slow season. This episode of See America was hosted by me, Jason Epperson, with narration by Abigail Trebu. If you like the show, we'd love a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. We'd also like to invite you to follow the See America podcast on Instagram and Facebook and join the See America Facebook group, where we chat about some of America's greatest road trip destinations. If you're a national park lover, we hope you'll also check out the America's National Parks podcast or come listen to Abigail and me talk about our life on the road with our three boys on the RV Miles podcast, wherever you listen to this one. This great destination was brought to you by Road Trippers, America's number one road trip planning app. Plan your unique journey at roadtrippers.com and use the app as your ultimate travel guide and navigator. Adventure doesn't come from the fastest route. Start exploring at roadtrippers.com. <laughs>